Well, if you have your Bibles, we're back into the book of Joshua. We've kind of took a little break there, but we're back on track. And uh, we're going to find ourselves in chapter uh, number 8. Joshua chapter number 8. And this morning, I'm going to be preaching a message entitled, Where Have You Pitched Your Tent? Where have you pitched your tent? And we're going to see just a bit later on what we're talking about here. The illustration that I did have <laughs> was part <laughs> thanks to Addison, <laughs> was a little tent. And... Uh, Ezekiel is uh, there up in the uh, preschool, and if they have the uh, TV on, he's probably saying, my tent, my tent, because it's his tent. <laughs> but uh, uh, hopefully you'll uh, get the, uh, the gist of uh, what this is uh, going to be all about. But here in Joshua chapter 8, we've, we already know that in chapter 7, that uh, they got uh, a little, as my granddaddy would say, a little too big for their britches. They went and defeated Jericho, or, I mean, a wonderful victory. And, of course, we know that God was uh, all in that. And uh, they did what God told them to do, even though it probably didn't make any sense. Marching around the walls, and, of course, the walls... Uh, came tumbling down. No one lost their life in that battle. It was a resounding victory. But then a little later on, we see that uh, they go to Ai. This time it was a little bit different. They didn't prepare like they did for Jericho. They just took it upon themselves that, hey, we... Uh, we, we, we uh, took Jericho down. Hey, this is a piece of cake. AI's a little bit a smaller town, and we'll just go ahead and we'll just march on in and we'll go ahead and clean house and we'll have us another uh, victory that we can notch on our belts. It didn't work like that. We remember that they didn't consult God. They didn't pray about what they were going to do. They just took it upon themselves. And uh, when they went into Ai, uh, they had a defeat. Isn't that true for us in our lives as well? Sometimes we can get a little overconfident in what we can do. Sometimes we get a little too big for our britches. And we'll go ahead and we're facing a battle, but uh, we're saying, hey, I remember that last victory. This is not going to be no big deal. And we'll go ahead. Don't consult God. Don't look for God's will in this. We just take it upon ourselves. And what happens? We get knocked down. And so now in chapter 8, God comes back to talk to Joshua. And he tells Joshua, he says, Joshua... Uh, I want you to go back to Ai. <laughs> you can only imagine uh, Joshua's feelings towards that. He says, uh, uh, Lord, uh, that's where we had a defeat. Lord says, I know that. But why would God tell them to go back to the place where they were defeated? 
Because God wanted to teach them a lesson. God wanted to show them that when you do it my way, you'll have victory. That's good advice for us today. When we do it God's way, we'll have victory. Matter of fact, we'll see here in chapter number 8 that he tells them. You find yourself in verse number 1 here. We're not going to read the whole text uh, because of the length, because it gives the detail, the the battle plan and all that. But uh, here what we are going to see this morning is uh, that uh, God has come and He's talked to Joshua. And He tells Joshua to go back to the place of their defeat. Now, understand this morning is that we uh, need to be careful that we don't live in the past. The past should not dictate our future. But sometimes it's good for us to be reminded of our past. That's exactly what God is trying to teach Joshua and uh, to his people. He's trying to teach them the lesson that I gave you a victory. You could have the victory, but you chose to do it your way. Now you need to go back and do it the right way. And that's where we're at. And it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not. Now I don't know about you, but when I have a defeat in my life, I like to hear the words of our Lord saying, Fear not. Especially when He tells me to go back and revisit where I had my defeat at. He says, Fear not, neither be be, uh, thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise and go to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai, and to her king, as thou did uh, unto Jericho, and uh, her king, only the spoil thereof, and the cattle thereof, shall ye take, For I pray unto yourselves and lay thee an ambush for the the city behind it. So in verse number 3, so Joshua arose. This morning by God's grace, we're going to preach a title of a message. Where have you pitched your tent? Where have you pitched your tent? Now understand, this is not the first time that we see Ai mentioned in the Word of God. You go back to Genesis and you go to chapter 12, verse number 8. And you also find it in uh, chapter 13 of Genesis uh, and and verse number 3. We all remember the story. Abraham is uh, on his pilgrimage, if you will. And the Bible says that Abraham pitched his tent between Bethel and Ai. Now, when you see Ai in the Bible, it is a picture of your flesh. How do we know that? Because the picture that we're going to see is Bethel. The meaning of that word is house of God. Ai, the meaning of that word is a heap of ruins. And many of us have pitched our tent between the house of God 
and the heap of ruins. And that's the reason why we're in the mess that we're in. That's the reason why the flesh continues to win these battles that we're going through. And so this morning we're going to see how do we know where to pitch our tent and what are the benefits of pitching our tent closer to Bethel than we are to Ai. My dear friends, we need to understand this flesh is wicked. We need to understand this flesh is nothing but ruins. Because when we operate in the flesh, that's exactly what comes out of it. It comes defeat and it comes ruins. There are many here today can testify to the fact that you were living closer to Ai. You were letting the flesh dictate and control what you were going to do. And because of that, you suffered. And you're still dealing with the consequences of letting your flesh override your spirit. And But when you got saved, my dear friend, we need to understand this this morning. When you got saved, you should have had your tent closer to Bethel than you did Ai. But there's those times... We will forget where we've pitched our tent. And so here this morning, we're going to see three things. First of all, we're going to see that if we're going to have victory over this flesh, we need to understand that God has promised us that we can have victory over the flesh. Notice here in verses 1 and 2, He says that I have given you this victory. God is talking and He says, Now, uh, I got everything set up uh, and uh, you just need to go back and you need to fight this battle once again. See, it's interesting to me that oh, there's times when we wrestle with the flesh and the flesh overrides us and we get defeated and because of that defeat we get in despair and we get discouraged and we go around and say, well, you know, I, just, I, I guess this is the way it's always going to be. No, that's not the way God intended for you to be. You don't need to understand that even though He accepted you as you were, He doesn't want you to stay as you were. He's wanting to change your life. And He's given you everything. He's given me everything I can to be able to be victorious over this flesh. No more do we have. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, you no longer have an excuse that the devil made you do it. If you're truly saved, the devil cannot make you do anything, but you have allowed the devil to do it. You have victory over your flesh. And the problem is that we don't need more of it, more of something, more of this, more of that. We got everything we need. When you got saved, you got all the resources you needed for you to be more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. And so he's promised that we're going to have victory. But notice very quickly, uh, Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 57, he reminds us that thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. See, here's what happened uh, to uh, Joshua and his people. They forgot where their victory came from. That's the reason why they got defeated in Ai. They forgot who gave them the victory. And so you need to be very careful when you're able to win a battle over your lust of your flesh. 
that you don't go around and, and saying, well, you know, it's my strong willpower of mine. Or I got me a self-help book and that book helped me to understand that I got in touch with my inner self and I was able to control that and, and go around and boast. I'm telling you, my dear friend, if you win a battle over the flesh, it's not because of what you did. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. All victory, all praise goes to Him when you get a victory in your life. And so, uh, He says, not only do you need to stand on the promise, but I want you to understand you need to pitch your tent because you need to preserve or pursue your victory. Look at verse number 3. Notice what they did. They didn't just stand around and say, okay, the Lord's given us a victory. Uh, let's just go ahead and stay where we're at. In verse number 7, it says, and so Joshua arose. See, you got to do something about this. Now, God has already promised you the victory, right? But what we need to do is we need to pursue that victory. How do we pursue that victory? Well, we have to follow God's plan. And we see, if you go to verse number 3, down to the remainder of this chapter, God laid out a plan for them. He says, now listen, listen, here's the victory, but this is how you've got to pursue it. God has a plan for your life, and He has a plan for my life, for us to be able to pursue the victory that we already have in Jesus Christ. Now, what does that plan curtail? First of all, the Word of God. We need to be standing on the Word of God. We need to be meditating on the Word of God, and we need to read the Word of God, but now we don't need to be hearers. We need to be doers of the Word of God. The first thing that you need to understand, if you're going to have victory in your life over your flesh, you've got to stay in the Word of God. But the second thing that we have to do is that you have to have a prayer life. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, a superficial prayer life where you pray for a couple of minutes or you pray as you're going, uh, driving into Nashville and, or, or you're praying right before you go to sleep and uh, you wait so long that uh, you're not even able to finish your prayers because you fall asleep. I'm talking about intentional that you have a appointed time to where you're going to get along with God. If you're going to have victory, you've got to have a prayer life. You've got to have the Word of God. But then we also see you've got to have some church attendance. Now, understand here. I say, well, that, that, this, is, this is where the preachers always... This ain't preacher talk. It's the Word of God. This is a plan for you. You need to be in church on a regular basis. I'm not talking about, you know, just showing up for Easter and, and Christmas and whatnot. You'll never have victory in your life if you don't have a regular church attendance. You need to get under the Word of God. You need to be in a Sunday school class where the Word of God is taught. You need to be under the preaching service where the Word of God is going to be preached. We need to be under the Word of God. Your plan has to include church attendance. We just don't go ahead and talk about church attendance because we can say, well, we had this many. Listen, God designed it. Matter of fact, He even tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. Why? Because He knew the benefits of being in church, being in God's house. 
If you're going to have a plan, you've got to have a plan that will give you victory. It's got to be on the Word of God. It has to be prayer and it has to be church attendance. But also, you need to have fellowship with the saints. Now, when I'm talking about fellowship, I'm not talking about going to Top Hog and eating. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, I'm always open. If you'd like to invite me to come, I'll be happy to, because I want to have fellowship with you. I'm doing it, I'm doing it for spiritual reasons. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, that includes that. I'm talking about fellowship. I'm talking about where we are having conversation with one another, where we're understanding that I'm not the only one that's got issues in my household. I need to have someone I can fellowship with that I know is not going to look down on me and says, well, I can't understand why you're having problems with that. That's not what we're talking about here. Matter of fact, every single one of us here today has issues. Every one of us in here has a problem with the flesh. Every one of us here needs someone that we can confide in and someone that we can trust in and someone that will cry with us and someone that will pray for us and someone that would uh, build us up and not tear us down. We get enough of that in the world. You're going to go to work tomorrow. Don't think that your workplace is going to be encouraging you. You're going through some issues. They're not going to say, hey, you know, uh, uh, I'm praying for you. That's, that, don't expect that from them but we ought to expect it from one another fellowship with the saints get to know who you're sitting beside get to know their name get to know where they're from get to know them because we all have this one thing in common we might not have anything else in common I mean, we got folks that have come from California. We got people that come from Ohio. We got people coming from all uh, around the place. And we even have people coming from outside the United States. There are a lot of things we don't have in common. But one thing we do have in common, and that's we know Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. And that ought to be enough for us to want to hang out with one another and have fellowship with one another. We're family, folks! We need each other. And so if we're going to have a plan that's going to give us victory, we have to have the Word of God. We have to have a prayer life. We have to have church attendance. And we have to have fellowship. Well, Brother Mike, isn't church uh, attendance and fellowship the same thing? Nope. You can come to church and still not have fellowship. Here's what we do. Now, I'm not being critical. I'm not being mean. I'm not being nasty. I'm just telling you. When I know that we got a, a, a sweet fellowship, it's what happens after the service. How long do we hang out? Or do we vote as soon as the amen after the invitation, the doors are going, bam. We're getting out of there because we got to beat everybody else, the Cracker Barrel, or wherever you're going to go for lunch today. Now, I'm not saying that we hang out for two or three hours. What I am saying is, we got to know one another because we need one another. And so here, he gives us a plan. What was the plan? The plan was, in verses 18 and 19, 
The plan was, and God told him, He says, okay, Joshua, this is what you do. You stretch out your spear, and then they arose. Now, you say, well, that's kind of a weird thing. I mean, we're fixing to go into battle, and Joshua just sticks his spear out. That's what God told him to do. Notice, this time, they did what God told them to do. See, many times you've lost your battle with the flesh is because you didn't follow God's plan. It's amazing to me that when we get in trouble, one of the things that we do uh, the quickest is we get away from God's plan. We start missing church. We're just being truthful today. You're contacted and hadn't seen you in two or three weeks. Well, I'm just really going through a rough time. Land sakes, even more so you ought to be coming. Because here's the reason why you're still living in defeat is because you've gotten away from the very thing that's going to help you have victory. I mean, I mean I, this, is, this is not rocket science. I mean, this is really practical stuff here this morning, is it not? The very thing that helps us gain victory is the first thing that we'll throw to the side. I'm not praying like I used to. I have those who come in and say, we're having a tough time. First thing you have to ask them, well, or what about your quiet time, your devotion time? Well, we've, well, you know... We're just busy. You know, we got the kids and, you know, they got soccer and this one's got baskets. Yeah, we, I know, I know, I know, I know, Brother Mike, I know we ought to be doing it. No, you apparently don't know that you ought to be doing it because if you knew that you were supposed to be doing it, you'd be doing it. The very thing that's going to give us victory is the, we push to the side. What does that say? That says to us, is I really don't believe that God's plan can work for me. That's exactly what you're doing. That God's plan does not work for me. And you'll go ahead and you'll say, well, God can do anything. All things are possible with God. Well, no, uh, all things are possible with God. But here's how lip service ain't getting it. It's what you're doing with it. If you really want to see what somebody believes in, watch how they act. Uh, uh, the, the predators, man, they're, they're hot now. They run the championships and all that. It was after midnight. It was after midnight when they landed and there was a crowd of people cheering on them. After midnight. Now, the first thing I thought, these people don't have jobs. Because they'd been in bed. But then I thought this. They can go ahead. Now, everybody's a Predators fan now because they're winning, right? Yeah, I'm a Predators fan. These, because of their actions, really told me they were fans. Same way with the Lord Jesus. You can go ahead and say, Oh, yeah, Jesus can help me. Jesus can help me. But yet, you get away from God's plan. What you're telling me is you really don't believe what you're saying. Here, Joshua and his people, they believed what God said was true, and they followed and they pursued their 
victory. But very quickly, notice, they were able to preserve their victory. We find that uh, going into verse number 27. Now, as I was thinking about that, what, uh, is that uh, here's what happens to many of us. Man, we, 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 we do what God tells us. We, you know, we're prayed up and we're in the Word of God and we're in class like we're supposed to be. We're regular attender. Uh, we're having fellowship with, uh, and we're doing all these things. And, and, and then the old flesh wants to raise its ugly head and, and we're able to uh, have that victory. And so here's what we do, just like they did. We'll go around and start saying, hey, hey, yeah, look at us. And the very next time the flesh wants to rise itself up, we don't follow the plan, and then we get knocked down. And we wonder, well, I don't see how that happened. Why didn't you see it? The Word of God is quite clear. Do God's will, follow His plan, you get victory. Amen. Don't follow the plan, you get defeat. And so, how do we pursue it? How do we maintain that victory? See, we see it many times over that uh, uh, people come to the altar and, uh, and, and their intentions are, are well. I understand that. And I hear what I'm, not, uh, uh, hear what I'm saying, not what I'm saying. Is that they'll come, but notice that we're only coming when we're really going through some stuff. Isn't that the one time? Isn't that when we really get serious? Isn't that when we're going through and we're battling this, this old flesh and their flesh keeps rising up and, uh, and, and, and we're, we're starting to get in trouble with that. And when do we pray the most? When we're going through it. What would happen to us if we prayed and did what God told us to do before we got in trouble? That, that's what he's talking about. See, we're up and down like rollos. Well, I mean, we're, we're hot for God, and man, things are going okay, and then something, old flesh rise up, then we fall into sin, we get back down again, and we go through the, uh, the little valley, we pout, and oh, we, oh, we struggle, and then, you know, we come to our senses, and we get back doing what we ought to be doing, and we're just like roller. God never intended us to be roller coasters. He designed us and He has given everything we need that we are balanced no matter what comes into our lives. Are you getting this? It's just making sense. So how do we pursue that? Well, notice there was two things that Joshua and his people did. First of all, he put everything to death. Starting in verse number 27, reading... God told them that everyone is going to be wiped out. See, what you need to understand and I need to understand is you need to put your flesh to death. But here's what we do. We do a partial because there's little, couple little things that we kind of want to keep around. you got to put your flesh to death. And so here we, we see, uh, what does that mean? Well, by putting to death, we, we see uh, that uh, we have to understand some things. First of all, you need to understand that your flesh will always war with your spirit. 
Go ahead, read Romans chapter 7. Paul had issues with that. And Paul says that it will be a struggle until the Lord calls you home. So don't get to have people say, well, you know, I, I, I thought when I got saved, I wouldn't have to worry about this again. Where did you get that at? Your flesh is always going to war with your spirit. Uh, in 2 Peter uh, verse number one, uh, chapter 1, verse number 4, it says that we have been given a divine nature. So when you got saved, uh, the divine nature moved in. But also understand that that old man is still there as well. And so there's a constant fighting, a constant war. Now, many people come and say, uh, and, and they'll doubt their salvation. They'll say, I, I, I'm, I'm think I'm having, I'm just doubting my salvation. Well, why do you think that? Well, because it, it seems like uh, I just, I, I just, every day I'm having to deal with Satan. Well, that's an evidence that you are saved. Because your divine nature is warring with that, the, the old man. And there's always going to be that constant uh, conflict there. But we need to understand that when we put the flesh to death, it means, it doesn't mean that the old man rises up. But what it does mean is that you no longer are entrapped, enslaved to sin. Flip Wilson said it this way, the devil made me do it. Well, if you're a believer, you cannot say that. Because you have dominion over sin. Sin no longer has dominion over you. All right? Now, how do we know that? Well, uh, we see it uh, in, in Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. We see in that, those verses where it talks about, notice what it says. It says that, uh, that, uh, that, that the old man has been crucified with Christ. Okay, did you catch that? You have been crucified with Christ. That is talking your, our position in Christ. Positionally speaking, we've been crucified with Christ. But then it goes on and tells us, because of that, the body of sin has been destroyed. And then it goes on and says, you no longer serve sin. What does that mean? It means that the next step is, you have to kill it daily. Now, so, well, that sounds conflicting. You, you tell me I'm, I'm, I've been crucified with Him. It's been put to death. But yet now you're saying I have to do it every day. Well, we do it every day because of that old nature. But the old nature no longer has prominence over us once you're saved. So before you got saved, you couldn't kill the flesh. The flesh was killing you. The flesh was overriding you. The, the lust. You, you, no longer, you no longer had control. See, that's what we're talking about here. We have now have control. Once you get saved, you have control over your flesh. 
You're no longer indebted to your flesh. You're no longer throw your hands up and says, watch the use. I'm going to fail anyway. No, no, no. When you got saved, you got what you needed to be able to be an overcomer. And now sin does not have to rule you any longer. But you have to do it every day. Beautiful pictures in the Old Testament. When the priest would go to do the sacrifice, they would have a, 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 a big... Uh, a brass, uh, I call it a sink. That's not the proper term for it. But. And, they, and they would, they would have to wash their hands. Why? Because their hands had gotten dirty. Church, we lived in a sin curse world. And no matter how much you love Jesus... And no matter how you want to please Him, you're going to get dirty. But thanks be unto God, you don't have to get a full bathing. You just have to wash your hands and cleanse your heart. See, it's not once you got saved, you got everything that you needed. But you still get dirty. That's what He's talking about. That's what we're talking about here. But notice as we, we go on, he, he said, we got to put it to death. Now, how do we put it to death? I'm glad you asked the question. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. We looked at it Wednesday night. Now, we're, we're, fixing, we're fixing to go to invitation. In First Peter Amen. 1, 13, it says that you have to start here. You've got to get the right kind of thinking. If... AA and NA, they would call it, you have stinking thinking. And stinking thinking is when your mind starts listening to the lust of your flesh and the desires of your flesh. And so you got to get your minds right. How do you get your minds right? You got to go back to God's plan. You got to get in the Word of God. You got to be praying. You got to be uh, regular in attendance to church. And you have to have fellowship with the saints. And so now it starts here. You, you have, uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse number 22, uh, it says, you have to be not conformed to the world, but you've got to be transformed Why? by the renewing of your mind. Some of you got stinking thinking. Now, who's the author of stinking thinking? Satan. If he can get in there and mess you up here, then he has control of your whole body. And so here, uh, they went back to Ai, and, and, and they were doing it God's way. But notice, they not only uh, stood on the promise of victory, but they also pursued victory, but they also preserved the victory. Now, in verses 30 through 35, the second thing that they did, they had to put it to death, but then they went to devotion. And the Bible tells us very quickly, he says, after that, he did as in uh, uh, Moses, he uh, half went to uh, Ebal and the other half with uh, Gizm. And the, the priest started reading the Word of God. The Bible says they read the cursings. And on this mountain, when he would read the cursings or the things that God was against, they would go, Amen. When they would read the blessings, the ones on this mountain would go, Amen. 
And here what we need to understand, if we're going to preserve the victory that we have to overcome the, of the flesh and not give in to the lust and the desires of the flesh, we got to have devotion. We got to be in the Word of God. And notice here, they're praising. Amen, which means true, true. We have to stand upon the fact that God's Word is true. That's the reason why we say amen. We agreed with that. God's Word is true. Amen. Amen. And so here, as we are pursuing this victory, we are pursuing it by ma- and maintaining it because we're giving devotion, we're giving praise, we're giving glory to Lord God Almighty. So we open this message with a question. We're going to end it with a question. Where have you pitched your tent? Is it closer to Bethel? Or is it closer to Ai? Or could it be that many of you are right stuck in the middle? One day you're a little closer over here. Next day you're a little closer over here. And then you wonder why you cannot have a victorious life. You have to understand you don't get, you can't straddle the fence with this. It's either or. I don't know about you, but I choose to get closer to Bethel, Amen. the house of God, Amen. than I am to this heap of ruins. There's somebody here today, you're struggling. Your flesh, there's a stronghold in your life. And you've pretty much said this. Hey, that's just the way I am. Maybe you have an anger issue. I've always been like this. That's just who I am. Well, you don't have to stay like that. Maybe you have jealousy. We could go on and on and on. Maybe there's a problem with alcohol. Maybe it's a problem with with, with sex. Whatever the case may be, you have to understand that if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He has given you the victory. You just need to pursue it, and you need to preserve it.